Hello and welcome to the Engineers Collective, the podcast by New Civil Engineer. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with all your colleagues. It's free to download on all podcast sites or you can listen at newcivilengineer.com forward slash podcast. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems. Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to accelerate project delivery and improve asset performance for the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure. This latest episode of the Engineers Collective, where we'll be exploring how engineers can use their skills to benefit the whole of society and the importance of ethics in engineering. My name's Claire Smith, and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer, and I'm joined by our head of content and engagement, Rob Horgan, and today's special guest, head of engineering at Engineers Without Borders UK, Emma Crichton. Emma is a chartered civil engineer with six years' experience in the water industry in Scotland. Emma has worked on a variety of projects and has consistently believed in the importance of collaboration, impactful partnerships and the role engineering has to play in bettering our society. As Head of Engineering at Engineers Without Borders UK, she is responsible for driving forward their mission, leading their work to embed globally responsible engineering into curriculum and throughout day-to-day practice. So thanks for joining us today, Emma. No, thank you very much for having me. Now, many of us, the word ethics is something that's commonly associated with the medical sector. But it's said that engineers save more lives than doctors as their work affects millions of people daily, whereas a doctor treats one patient at a time. So why isn't engineering's ethics central to our training as civil engineers? And that's really what we're going to be exploring today. Yeah, fantastic question. I think um, it touches on a few points. So when we're looking at the scale of engineering and the impact that it has like as you rightly pointed out you know it it is something that whether it's a water network or whether it's a communications network or whether it's you know mining and etc cetera, etc cetera, it really has this global impact on people in terms of who it's meant to be kind of reaching and and kind of changing or enhancing their lives but also in terms of the impact of on local communities or people in different places when materials are taken out of the ground or people are kind of um impacted in some way by the impact of engineering so for example it produces uh, the majority of greenhouse gases are in some way connected to engineering and the impact that we have um, and obviously that then has this kind of systemic impact um, around the world as well so it's 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 a multifaceted um, impact as well as um, not quite as simple as saying doctor patient and looking at that kind of like personal individual level as well. So, so in terms of if you had to define what engineering ethics actually is, what, what would you say it is? I've already said why it's important there and how wide reaching it is, but how would you define engineering ethics? Yeah, it's a good one. I think it definitely comes back to that kind of purpose of engineering in terms of the moral duty that engineering has, um, because the things that we do, the things that we produce change people's lives. Um, they have an impact, a positive impact, um, but also a negative impact. So it's that kind of moral duty when you have the responsibility of designing something that could impact lots of people. It's that moral duty is very much what I see the ethics behind um, engineering to be the pivotal the pivotal kind of piece there. So but engineering ethics is not necessarily a new concept, is it? How has the role of ethics in engineering changed in more recent times and how has the climate emergency added to the need to embed ethical practices into engineering? 
So I think you're absolutely right. Like ethics is, is formed a part of engineering from the very start, but also in terms of how we have, you know, created solutions or invented in the past. Like, you know, there's always been kind of when people involved, there's always always some kind of moral or value tension that's that's happening there in terms of who who you're doing something with, what you're using resources for, etc. There's that kind of knock-on impact. And I think in recent times we're seeing the evolution of ethics and kind of looking at well, what does that mean in the 21st century when we have, you know, the digital capabilities that we have across the planet, you know, the, the ability to connect with one another, but also when we're looking at our social and environmental challenges that we're facing today and how they differ from the, the kind of, I guess, the, the morals or the duty that we had in the past. So in the past, obviously looking at a big focus on kind of safety of people within the engineering community, whether it's, you know, bridges that failed in the past and learning from that and then improving health and safety to a point where, you know, people have targets for kind of zero, zero fatalities on projects and rightly so. But like that's been a huge shift from the past. I think I think it's incredible to see the cultural change that that sparked, etc. But when we're thinking about ethics and kind of understanding how it underpins our response to the climate emergency, the environmental emergencies, the biodiversity crisis, like increasing inequality. Those are, when you boil them down, those are ethical kind of considerations. So I think when we're looking at what engineering ethics needs to be today, it needs to be looking at what is our current state of play in terms of the world? What is what is the impact of engineering? But also broadening that out to consider, well, how does the responsibility of engineers or people working in the engineering community, what is their responsibility now when we have ever-changing digital systems or ever-changing economics or ever-changing, you know, I think the disruption we've seen in the last year has kind of highlighted the fact that it's quite an uncertain time at the moment. And, you know, what is the responsibility of engineers in that space? That's what I'm interested in, in terms of like kind of exploring, well, what does ethics look like today? And what is the the values that we should be trying to instill within professionals in our profession? Well, that's all really, really fascinating to, to hear, actually, and to listen to. On, on a practical level, um, can you explain to us how Engineers Without Borders helps to deliver ethics into engineering? What, what does the organisation actually do and, and how long has it been around for? Yeah, absolutely. So Engineers Without Borders, so we're a charity um, and we are set up to engage and galvanise the engineering community to serve all people on the planet better than ever before. Um, so we were established by a group of students in the early 2000s who recognised that what they were learning in their curriculum was not reflecting the kind of real world that they were seeing um, kind of outside the boundaries of their classrooms. Um, so kind of it wasn't talking about, you know, the impact that engineering has on society and they were learning theoretical concepts but couldn't see how that could be applied to making a meaningful difference in the real world. Engineering is about a design process, you know, how are we making sure these solutions are as good as they can be, kind of rather than just learning about the theoretical concepts of thermodynamics or fluid mechanics or concrete or whatever it is, kind of thinking about, well, how do you engineer? Like, what is the process involved? So we've grown as an organisation from that point, from that kind of original kind of forming of students who are a bit frustrated, to be honest. And kind of we've grown as a movement, this kind of idea spread. There's a lot of enthusiasm in terms of recognising the link between social and environmental injustice and the role of engineering. So we've grown from a student movement in the early 2000s um, very quickly and then transitioned to, to a staff-led kind of coordinated organisation and very much feel 
that kind of it's moving towards kind of recognizing the challenges of today but also like this isn't just about the future generations of people coming into engineering this is about our profession at large kind of responding to the need to do engineering differently and the different mindsets and skill sets that be required to do that um, and actually the urgency required there and um, so in terms of what we practically do we have a strong presence at university. Um, we have two programmes inside the curriculum of 43 universities. So engineering students come into university, they do a module, um, and that has one of our real-world design challenges in it. And that basically allows the students to practise globally responsible engineering. So thinking about the social and environmental aspects, but also how you actually do that in a real-world con context. That's been a fantastic thing that like, we've worked and collaborated with universities on to make sure that we can reach as many students as possible and provide that opportunity to switch on people's mindsets to think about, actually, this isn't just about the techie F1 or this isn't just about the buildings and the bridges. Like, this is about changing people's lives and kind of the responsibility I have there. But not doing that through saying, kind of saying that's important, kind of showing them through a project-based module. And that's reached over the last decade, 50,000 students around the world. So we have it in curriculum in the UK, South Africa and the US at the moment as well. And when we describe ourselves as a movement, it's very much the coming together or a network of people that are experimenting with stuff in this space and are kind of trying to drive the change that they, they see. So in terms of the opportunities that we have in the profession as well, we have a membership so a kind of group of people who have come together, recognise this and be able to, as an organisation, provide a bit of a scaffold of support for people who maybe go, you know, I really want to see this change go, but maybe maybe I don't see it in the, the environment that I'm in, that there's a lot of people that think in the same way. So kind of providing a bit of support um, for people who are trying to drive this change. And yeah, it's fantastic to kind of see where we're going to grow next. So we have kind of design challenges. We have partnerships with corporate engineering companies. We have partnerships with different NGOs and collaborators in this space. And when you boil us down, we're a bit of a network and be able to organise as a staff team some key activities that facilitate the learning and inspiration to kind of spread as well. But beyond the learning side of things, you also get involved in some projects and delivering things on the ground. Can you give us some examples of the kind of projects you've got involved in recently? Um, so at the moment, we are going through a bit of a transition. So in 2016, we identified that our strategy is actually about global responsibility. In the past, it's been heavily focused on international development. So we're kind of transitioning towards global responsibility. So with doing that, we're kind of recognising that educational piece is absolutely fundamental um, and looking at ways that we can support that to grow. So we've made the decision to pause some of our projects in kind of 2019 and really look at well what is our role in this space and kind of what what can we provide as offerings so in doing so kind of looking towards well actually a really good a really good example is the institution of engineering and technologies report in 2021 so february said that out of the companies that have declared a kind of sustainability strategy seven percent of those so 7% think that their employees and the people that are in their workforce have the skills to meet those a sustainability agenda. So in terms of that kind of projects on the ground that like we've kind of identified, well, there's this huge gap in terms of upskilling professionals and getting people to grapple with complex 
challenges that affect many people around the world. So being able to talk the language of economics and social science and kind of understand like and broaden what engineering is all about. So I would say that we've kind of moved away from kind of project based work ourselves to very much supporting, collaborating with others to learn. And obviously through that process, it might involve projects in the future in terms of projects to inspire and upskill people in this space and very much kind of see the role of entrepreneurs in that space is something that we can support going forward as well. We've had the opportunity to step back and realise the kind of scale of, of the need here at the moment, Claire. Yeah. If I could just pick up on something you were just saying then, mm. in terms of the the 7% was it was it seven percent of companies think their workforce is, has the skills yeah. to yeah okay so I just wondered whether obviously you spoke a lot about educating people at sort of university level are you doing work to sort of retrain people who are already in work who perhaps don't have those skills and and will need them over the next next few decades and beyond really exactly and the tricky thing is like they need them now as well because this decade is so critical to addressing some of those challenges that we're talking about. So we're we're kind of reassessing. We've got a strategy that's getting launched this year, which we're really excited about. And that will show a kind of transition to really focusing on engineers in practice and what they can do. At the moment, there's opportunities for engineers to learn about the different contexts that we that we describe in our educational work and kind of support the the feedback process for students. So like they can volunteer their time at the moment to review some of the, the work that the students do. And that's really interesting in terms of that feedback loop, etc. But also by providing engineers that kind of, you know, this is what it's about and this is how you can apply your skills. Like we've we've done some research last year to show that there's a huge learning learning. Um, for the people involved in those opportunities as well. So at the moment, we're looking at kind of volunteer-based opportunities. But as we move forward, we're very keen to develop early career offerings and kind of make sure that, you know, we're playing a role in helping to connect the dots. Um, Because one thing that really shone through to me from the Shaping Zero video that Rachel Skinner launched as part of her Institution of Civil Engineers inaugural address was this point that, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of professional civil engineers around the world. And if we could find a way of kind of harnessing a more effective way of dealing with the carbon challenge, but also I would say the social and environmental challenges, just think about what that could create. So what we're doing at the moment is engaging our community, which is like the biggest part of that community is a 25 to 34 age group, which is in the profession at the moment. So engaging them and kind of shaping what our strategy is moving forward and absolutely can see the role of peer networking and kind of peer support in the future, but also kind of specific training and education inside the profession as well and helping kind of navigate the how do you address these things? You know, how do you do that on projects and bringing together people across the industry so that they're not just limited by the thinking inside their company, but actually kind of have a wider network of support. So that's that's where we're evolving. I hope I hope that kind of responds to your to your query, Rob. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just like you say, really important that the people working now are given the skills and the opportunity, not not just the next generation of engineers who are going through university at the moment. So yeah, that was really encouraging to hear. And I think I think with that, sorry, just to jump on top of that as well, I think there's, you know, what what we see as an organisation, as a charity in this space is kind of set, like 
providing that space for people to come together. So that's why we describe ourselves as a movement. We're very much moving towards being organized in that way as well so that we can you know organize and bring together people and provide that kind of structure that allows people to kind of learn and things to scale properly etc etc but one thing I think is really clear is like we are not going to answer (laughs) the question on you know how should the project that this company does for this in this way how should that how should that be changed? What is the technology that's required for that? Like, we're not going to have a huge R&D budget that suddenly <laughs> provides that answer. It's very much our role um, is about pointing at the need for global responsibility and providing kind of space for people to explore that and being able to join the dots effectively across that space. So, you know, it's not it's not saying that, you know, in any way, shape or form, we have the answers. It's just that we've noticed that this is a need here and we'd love to kind of join the dots and point at it because I don't think, firstly, we're the only organisation that's recognised the needs. There's a huge number out there and a lot of people kind of waking up to the responsibility of engineers, but also kind of getting tangible information and knowledge and toolkits and training out into the hands of people. So it's about really accelerating that trend um, is the role that, that I see us playing um, and our movement uh, going forward. Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit there, but I just wondered if there are some sort of common misconceptions about the role that Engineers Without Borders plays and, and what you actually do and what they are. Yeah, I think it, there can be. I think with any, you know, I mean, if you think about organisations in engineering, I think if an organisation describes itself as a movement, that's pretty unusual to start with. Um, <laughs> so I think there is sometimes a bit of a kind of misconception, but very much it's about kind of joining the dots and being able to support our community to, to kind of drive this change. So yeah, we're always on hand to kind of answer any questions or if people want to kind of explore more, like like definitely kind of open to, to discussing what we do in, in that capacity. So, so uh, coming back to you rather than the, the organisation itself, uh, how and when did you, you first become involved? I first heard about Engineers Without Borders um, when I was applying for university. And I, oh no, I think it was when I'd just been accepted actually to university and they sent me kind of some flyers um, about coming. Uh, so I, w- I went to Bristol University. So got some flyers and I had this kind of big shiny brochure about the course, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And then this kind of scrappy A5 <laughs> piece of paper that said, you know, social environmental justice and kind of this. And I was like, like, I wanted to come into engineering because I wanted to make a difference. So I was really inspired by that scrappy piece of paper. My parents less so. <laughs> so I very much heard it from the offset and had an expectation that my course would reflect that. And I think, It definitely did, potentially in the later years, but in the first couple of years, kind of, and in the first term, I kind of came in going, well, you know, let's, how is this going to be applied to the real world, et cetera? And then sitting in maths classrooms and a a module on concrete and then module on finite element analysis, et cetera. I was kind of, I was put off. I was kind of a bit apathetic, actually, to to, what is is this? I don't understand this. And kind of thinking, oh, maybe I should switch to an architecture degree. And it was very much for me, it's a bit of a personal journey. I kind of then started going and exploring the society group, et cetera, et cetera. And and kind of it it re-sparked my connection that this is about people, even though that might not be the dominant narrative that I was seeing in my engineering course. It's about people and kind of sustainable development and kind of understanding the challenges tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, it was a bit of a, you know, that being around people who have those shared values um, and seeing that university and seeing that in conversations through the, you know, the chapter that we have there actually kept me in engineering, I would say. So what element of the work that Engineers Without Borders does is it that you found most inspiring? I think 
it's learning about empathy. So kind of learning about empathy and how that plays a part in the creative process that we do as engineers. So kind of realising that invention isn't just about logic. It's not just about the kind of, (laughs) if you do this, then this will happen. That kind of algorithm-based logic of, if I do this, then this will happen, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually thinking quite critically about well, who needs to be involved in this process? What are the power dynamics in this process? But also, like, how do you get the best ideas through the resources that you have available? So bringing in diverse perspectives or at an early stage in a project, bringing in perspectives that aren't often sought and actually seeing the creativity of that inside. So I think for me, it's always been about empathy, which is a bit odd because uh, there's there's been research and um, an article I read in The New Scientist in December was saying that actually a lot of people in STEM, so science, technology, engineering, mathematics, are kind of biased towards that logic, that reasoning, et cetera, et cetera, rather than being biased towards empathy. So I think for me, it was very much seeing that as a role and being hugely inspired by the fantastic magic that the logic can create but also seeing it as, as, a, as a way that changes lives. So kind of always having that perspective and always having that kind of people first viewpoint, whether it's hydro turbines or water networks or kind of different things that we're doing in engineering, like how that changes or influences people's lives. Yeah, so I, yeah, empathy is actually what I would say is, is, is the thing that keeps me inspired. So can you explain what engineers who volunteer with you, what do they get from the experience? Hmm. I think it's a broadened understanding of engineering. So, for example, our reviewers who are applying to to volunteer their time just now um, get to learn about two coastal communities in Peru and what it's like for people living and working in those communities. And these are communities that have access to around two to three litres of water per day. It's pretty inconsistent. Um, It is coastal communities that are very kind of... um, based on artisanal methods of fishing um, and also have a very strong connection to the local environmental ecosystem. But in the past, that community has been a headquarters for BP, for oil in in Latin America. Um, It has also been a military base at another time. And kind of seeing and learning stories about different communities around the world and how engineering has a positive and negative impact and, and the role of engineering can play in actually providing resilient solutions going forward. So they would learn about kind of that context, you know, food systems, built environment, water, sanitation, digital um, energy systems in that space, because that's that's how we facilitate the brief is to pull out all of that kind of technical underpinning as well. And then they would be able to look at that, look at the, the students' work in terms of the process that they've gone through and what kind of solution they've got for the for kind of like how how to improve things in that community Um, and then being able to provide feedback for that. So kind of a broadened understanding, kind of an inspirational um, opportunity to learn about a completely different context, one that they may not be familiar with, but also being able to see the lens of engineering in a different way and how it can play an absolutely critical role to meeting the needs of people and protecting that local environment. So earlier on, you, you sort of touched on how the the remit of Engineers Without Borders has sort of evolved in the last few years to to focus more on social responsibility rather than sort of project-based approaches. I was just wondering if you could explain the reasoning behind that change uh, in a bit more detail and what is driving that. Absolutely. I think it's a recognition of the, the scale of the challenges that we face at the moment. 
So we've been quite heavily influenced in terms of communicating this concept by Donut Economics by Kate Raworth, who's a professor, I think, at Cambridge University. So her model basically defines kind of the state of the world in in two donut rings. Um, So you have the kind of social foundation in the middle and then the ecological system on the outside. And what it looks at is the balance between how do you meet the needs of people whilst living within our planetary boundaries or our life supporting systems. So for example, the atmospheres that we rely on, the ozone layers, the, the, the quality of our soil, of our oceans, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of looking at that model, and it's quite a good kind of model to look at the evidence base for the fact that we are not working in the space that's safe in the middle, which is kind of socially just, but also ecologically safe. So we are exceeding our planetary boundaries um, in at least four key areas. So that's the climate emergency, biodiversity emergency and nitrogen and phosphorus loading. But at the same time, and that social foundation in the middle is very much defined by the sustainable development goals and the fact that we have 800 million people around the world that don't have access to electricity, that the water, um, you know, I think it's around 40% of people don't have access to water, hand washing at home. Kind of looking at, well, what are the needs of all people and where are we meeting or exceeding those? And at the moment, we are not meeting in any of those kind of key areas. So I think there's... Yeah, quite a quite a stark image comes out from that donut where we're kind of it's red on the outside in terms of pushing the planetary boundaries, but also not meeting the needs of all people. So I think for us, the reflection on why we moved away from having a very kind of localized impact, we worked with partners around the world and we looked at, you know, very much worked in collaboration and kind of looked at, you know, what is the the skill set that we can bring from a professional engineering community and help support the work that a local NGO or an innovator in that space is doing. Kind of looking at, well, actually, that localised impact is really key and absolutely fundamental. But actually, when we look at the role of engineers and the majority of engineers, especially here in the UK, that end up working in space, it's like they have a huge influence and impact on that donut from a different lens. Kind of that, you know, the big projects, the huge skyscrapers in London or the big water networks, whether it's across the UK or not, like how we upgrade and like a deal with those ageing impacts kind of has this huge knock on for kind of looking at our global picture so it was kind of seeing it bigger and was one key one key transition for us but also seeing the the kind of growth of our global movement so we're just one of 60 engineers that borders organizations around the world so there's engineers that borders south africa engineers that borders brazil engineers that borders um somalia engineers that borders australia etc etc so kind of seeing Actually, that kind of project-based approach, like we're doing it in different ways and kind of stepping back and realising that, you know, through collaboration with our partners and with our cousin organisations, we can have a kind of different strategic view on on how we change both the kind of engineering industry and the mainstream and business as usual, but also make sure that we meet the needs of people where we can or play our part in kind of facilitating support for different organisations trying to meet those needs. So it's really interesting to hear how many different organisations you've got around the world. And also that you mentioned the UN Sustainability Goals, because I've seen quite a few companies starting to reference those when they're talking about projects. But do you think there is enough understanding of the importance of ethics and social responsibility within the UK civil engineering industry? No, and... I know that I'm not meant to answer kind of directly, but like very blood, but like that is my personal opinion is is no. And I think it's also highlighted in the kind of video that Rachel Skinner's done with the Shaping Zero, which is a fantastic video in terms of kind of just for civil engineers, especially looking at, at that question as well. 
Because in that video, there's some fantastic quotes around kind of the, the challenges, essentially business as usual. We need to move away from business as usual. We need to embrace new way of thinkings and thinking about solutions. And we can't tech our way out of this. We can't build our way out of the climate change emergency. And from my personal experience in engineering, I think, I think we've got very good at doing a certain way of doing something. We've got it better and better. We've got these amazing people who can <laughs> answer any technical question around the world. But it's very much that, that broadened understanding of impact. So whether it's, you know, the ethics that we see from headline, you know, disasters, whether it's the Grenfell disaster here in the UK, or whether we're talking about kind of facial recognition software and the impact that has around the world in terms of, at the moment, we're seeing it to have issues with being racist um, and what impact that has in terms of the police using it to arrest individuals, et cetera, et cetera, or the evolving capacity of artificial intelligence. And, you know, that's going to be in the, elevators that we or the lifts that we have in buildings as well as you know a lot of focus on like driverless cars etc and autonomous weapons i think i think when we look at these challenges and kind of think about really what is happening and how evolving and how quickly evolving our industry is i'm not convinced that it's, it's embedded anywhere near what it needs to be but i don't think that's because you know people haven't got the intentions or people don't see it it's very much i think a transition from you know, a way of doing it to to accepting the change or the disruption that would be needed to allow a different kind of way of, a, di a different kind of mainstreamed way of doing it um, going forward. A shakeup really is, is required. Um, and I know that there's a lot of pressure on companies and engineering to respond to this. And I think the only way that we can do it is kind of trying to do it in, in a kind of more uniformed or more collective way. Um, because, you know, if one company has a great approach like that's great but actually unless we're all doing it nobody wins in the long term and do you think that mindset you, you're talking about there or that way of doing things do you think that's a result of a lack of empathy or a lack of importance put on empathy or or is it more driven by sort of financial factors mm, good question i think i think there's there's a multi kind of pronged reason why um that's the case i think one thing that we've we've kind of acknowledged is is like the curriculum for for educating engineers um, has to an extent been kind of stuck in the 1970s 1980s. Like the curriculum that we see, or at least did see in the kind of year ago, very much looked like the curriculum of the 70s. Even though the world has dramatically changed since then, we've had the digital revolution, we've had a greater understanding of our global challenges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I do think that you know our educational system needs to evolve to to meet the needs of of our today. Um, so I think there's a kind of educational aspect to it in terms of the mindsets and skill sets. I also think, yeah, I, I, I would agree in terms of like, um, yes, there has been a kind of economic growth driver that has 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 played a part in, in kind of pushing companies towards potentially not considering their social and environmental just, justice goals as much as they should do. Um, I'm definitely not an economist. And I think... I think it's interesting to look at actually there is a connection here between there is sometimes a really strong business case for leaning into this kind of creative disruption and thinking about doing things differently is actually it makes business sense at the same time. It won't always be the case, but there is, you know, whether it's, you know, teams working more efficiently or joining the dots and kind of learning from others or adopting best practices, kind of those things can have a very strong business case or, you know, in terms of recruitment of the of different types of people with more diverse perspectives into engineering, actually talking about social environmental injustice and having a real approach to doing that attracts a more 
diverse cohort of people into engineering because they can see the connection to the real world. They're not just fascinated by by concrete or thermodynamics, but obviously that technical skill set is key, but like it kind of broadens it out. I think kind of mindset skill sets, like when we look at cultural change, like it's it's narratives. And if you search sustainable design on, on the internet, the images you get is, is buildings with grass stuck to their roof or their walls. <laughs> and... You know, I'm not I'm not against grassroots or thinking about that, but I think like what is the building made of? What is the impact of the structure itself? Could it should it have been built? Who's it for? What like all of that stuff kind of needs to be considered. It's not just a, unfortunately, it's not a tweak that we need. It's quite a fundamental change. And things around cultural change, around sharing stories and lessons learned and kind of opening up and being vulnerable about the fact that quite a lot of us in engineering will have to go on a kind of learning journey. And that's not necessarily easy when you're kind of stuck in with, well, I've worked my, I've worked very hard to get to this point. And now you're telling me I'm going to have to retrain or relearn these things or kind of consider a different approach. Like that's not necessarily easy, but I think to have that kind of impact or recognise our responsibility or, you know, mitigate things like the Grenfell Tower example in the UK, like what we're seeing from the public inquiry is, is it's pretty brutal in terms of thinking a 22, 23 year old was potentially asked to lie because this company was putting pressure, et cetera, et cetera. So like that kind of supporting system for, we have lots of engineers in the UK and around the world making decisions and projects, making decisions, feeling under pressure. And if we don't have better ways of supporting those individuals, you know, we'll get more examples of this. And it's not necessarily because they were bad individual I don't really believe in that concept like I think it's it's the pressure they're under like was there a route that they could go to and be trusted and be heard and something changed like was that you know if your job's on the line like how do you have a wider support for kind of thinking through the moral impact of your decisions you know um and providing more chance for reflection and kind of understanding of of those decisions like whether it's seeing a project all the way through and kind of understanding well what was the impact of my decisions in that I'm not convinced that everybody gets the opportunity to reflect or learn from (laughs) yeah learn normally when it goes wrong like really wrong but kind of learning in general about like you know was that the right thing to do or not yeah I think it's yes it's a real mixed (laughs) mixed approach that we need but it's not just learning when things go wrong, it's learning from things that did go well as well. Exactly. So a lot of the things you've been talking about there are kind of company drivers for things. What about the individuals working within the industry, the engineers themselves? What simple changes do you think that people could make to their everyday work that would actually make a difference? Or does the shift really need to come from a company perspective on a wider range of things? Yeah, good, great question. So I think... I mean, we've grown from a grassroots movement, so very much strongly believe in the capabilities of individuals to create change. I think having a think about day to day and kind of thinking, well, what is the impact of what I'm doing? And being intentional about kind of challenging things when if when you're learning about something and then you're saying like, well, actually, maybe this isn't like kind of having the openness to challenge or explore concepts or saying like, is there an opportunity to think this differently? And and being inclusive in those decisions, like inviting people um, who have various perspectives into that conversation, into the decision-making process. Um, so rather than just saying, we'll have the, 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 the engineers, the experts, it's kind of like, well, actually, can we broaden that out? Can we invite conversations or inputs from others who are whether it's local communities or whether it's um groups that think differently about something or whether it's you know the people working um 
in in whatever you're designing so kind of your site-based uh, individuals kind of coming in but also yeah so kind of maybe more inclusive and kind of more broader and really thinking about is there an opportunity to kind of regenerate through this process so like can we do we need to build do we need to do it in this way like and kind of reading around the topic a lot to kind of inform that but also being open to it like I don't have all the answers but I'm wondering whether there's an opportunity here or and especially at an early stage in a project like when it's the strategy or the scope of the project that's being defined at that kind of like <laughs> kind of we've got an idea there's a need here we're going to make this project it's kind of that is the point and the, you know the the PAS 2080, the publicly available standards, kind of talks about the importance of that point. So that's the standard for carbon management, the kind of standard for carbon management. And it says, like, at that point, you have huge influence over the impact of the project, but you don't have a lot of accuracy around exactly what that's going to be. And so you're kind of making judgments and and on open-ended information, you can't say, well, it is definitely going to be answer is X or answer is Y. It's kind of, well, there's a judgment and kind of learning from other projects, et cetera, et cetera, and challenging, you know, do we build? Do we try and reuse? Do we um, think of the solution in a different way? You know, can you have a kind of social solution? A lot of the time I worked in the water industry and and a lot of it was, you know, actually, if, if we could get farmers or whatever to use pesticides in a different way, then maybe we wouldn't need to have this element of the treatment process in the water. So kind of thinking, and I know that that sounds quite daunting, but like kind of thinking through the scope very carefully, knowing that the influence is so high, you know, once you get to detailed design and et cetera, et cetera, it's kind of already decided what the impact is going to be. Yes, there's a huge role in making sure that everybody plays their part along the process of design or process of creating something from start to, to end of life and then... Oh, ideally recycle etc but like yeah I think that kind of early stage and asking you know quite broad questions you know what is the impact of what we're doing here and kind of opening that up and and trying to get people to think in that way as well and and does the the government's targets for carbon net zero does that does that drive that need to to ask those questions even even more Yes, absolutely. And it provides a precedent for it as well, because there's a group of academics who are working at Cambridge, Oxford, Nottingham, Bath and Imperial called UK Fires. And they produce a report called Absolute Zero. And it looks at a very engineer-like approach to, okay, if this is the target, what is the things that we would need to do to meet that target? And there's there's a video by Julian Allwood about that report, Absolute Zero, and the work that it would take. And actually, when I watched the video like the logic behind going from now to the meeting that, like it is it is a huge cultural change and the way that we shift, et cetera, et cetera. Like we can't wait for new technologies. We need to have a period where actually we we remove that that dependence on certain things, whether it's fossil fuels or or cement, et cetera. And, and then new technologies, electric planes and things will come in the future, but actually we will have this transition. So I think that 25 minute video for me was really a kind of point of, wow, like if we're serious about meeting that legal requirement, like strap yourself in, here we go. So like, absolutely, I think like asking those questions and kind of looking at at the kind of broader picture of like, it's great we've got this target and it's great that people are releasing kind of sustainability strategies, et cetera, et cetera, left, right and centre. The reality of meeting those targets is is kind of quite a quite a deep topic and quite a like it takes for me a, a kind of swallow swallow and kind of digest because it, the scale that we would need to work at and kind of 
to support society as well to meet those targets because obviously um i think engineering has a huge role to play to remove the the disruption that would be needed on individual people in their daily life like i think if industry can lead by example in terms of of, of kind of yeah trying to i mean we've all seen the impact of the disruption to day-to-day life in the last year i think if we can protect vulnerable groups etc cetera, etc cetera, and make sure that there isn't land grabs when people are trying to offset carbon and those will often be kind of marginalized communities or aboriginal communities often like that's the land that would ne- that would probably make financial or commercial sense like kind of thinking well actually that that doesn't sound like a good thing like how do we how do we take on our responsibility because we have this privilege of being able to look at the global picture and kind of questioning the decisions that we make and play our part um, which may have a knock-on impact on the, the reliance that we need on on huge numbers of global population who haven't necessarily caused the crises that we've seen being most impacted by the yeah. by the results of it so so we've um we sort of touched on what engineers who are, who are already at work what they can do and you know what's being done to change the curriculum at university level but obviously with a there's obviously a, a big skills gap or skills crisis if you like within within the sector i was just wondering if there's if there's a case to be made for teaching or talking about ethical engineering to school children and, and whether that would have a broader appeal in terms of getting a broader range of people into the sector and, and if anything if you're working on anything along along those lines yeah a great question and I think absolutely I think I didn't hear about engineering in, <laughs> at my school, um, and I, th- I think that's a there's still that kind of narrative there around you know engineers engineering's for the kind of the, maybe the geeky people if it's talked about at all. But no, I, I mean the Design and Technology Association is doing a huge amount of work with within um, curriculum here in England, and there's some of the things happening in Scotland and um, elsewhere in the UK is kind of trying to promote a narrative around, you know, engineering is about this. Like the This Is Engineering campaign from the Royal Academy of Engineering was very much about showcasing the diverse, exciting career paths that there is in engineering. And I still fundamentally believe that that is, that is huge. There's a huge opportunity. Like it's not a restrictive choice. It's a very much a, like there's a huge wealth of things that you could go into if you go into engineering that are aligned to social environmental principles. So... I think it absolutely has a place um, in terms of the, there's been a quite a big uptake of like people doing STEM, STEM work. Um, so kind of going into schools, talking about the importance of science, technology, engineering, mathematics, trying to focus on increasing the diversity of engineering. But I think it is, I think lead with the meaningful difference in the world and and the transition and the, the creative opportunity as well, because we've talked about disruption and things like that. But that is a huge opportunity to be innovative and creative and we will need people to be able to think outside the box and change approaches and things. And like part of me thinks that is also hugely exciting out of necessity. Normally terms comes great opportunities for for doing things differently. And that is that is a creative thing. And that that for me is very exciting. So, yes, I think we need to be getting the word out and the like Get making sure engineering's there, um, but also in, like lead with the, the the impact in the world rather than the you know how great is is this material or this techie thing. It's kind of like lead with the the wider impact because um, I think that's the thing that people that students can relate to, especially the students that have been involved in the school strike, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in terms of our work in that space, so we do have outreach workshops and we have opportunities for ambassadors to go into schools and talk about 
Um, so we have two called Water for the World Everywhere and Power for the World Everywhere, which kind of talks about water and power on, around the world and the role of engineering in, in providing those essential services. Brilliant. That's really great. Really interesting. Thank you for joining us today, Emma. It's been a really fascinating discussion. It's given me some real insight into the role of ethics and engineering and given me some new, new views on that. So hopefully anyone who's listening and wants to get involved, they can go along to Engineers Without Borders and, and sign up and help move things forward. So thank you, Emma. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you in association with Bentley Systems. With digital technology changing the way the world lives, it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries. Bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our going digital assessments. Work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace if possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going hyphen digital hyphen rail.